It's the idea of manhood episode 30. Thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 30. You know, my Spanish is on point. Episode 30. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's your boy Five Mikes, husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings and all that. You know what I mean? Um, it's woof, man. The past two weeks have been just a lot. There's been a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Um, always a lot to talk about, really, but, you know, especially within the pop culture realm, it's been a lot. Um, so I, I wasn't able to to drop an episode last week. Um, you know what I think about excuses. They're the tools of the incompetent used to build monuments of nothingness and those that use them are seldom good for anything else, but, um, no, for real, last week, uh, I took my wife to New York, we went to New York City, to the Big Apple, we went to, we went downtown, Times Square, did the whole thing, and, uh, but it was a, it was a belated birthday gift for my wife, and I got her, uh, some tickets, I, I scored some tickets to her favorite daytime show called The Chew, we were able to go out there. Uh, the producers chose her to be featured at the tasting table. The Chew is like a, a daytime talk show with some folks that are in the Chef Batali, I think. I, look, I don't know these fools' names. Chef Batali and some folks that are that are really popular within the, the food industry, chefs and all that, uh, fashion and all that stuff. So um, she got the, a, a chance to be on her favorite show and sit on the tasting table and talk to the people and be featured. So we were on TV for a little bit. Go look us up. You know what I'm saying? Autographs later. Um, but, you know, we were traveling to, to New York Monday and Tuesday. And we came back Wednesday. It was like back into the full swing. We had a baseball game and uh, it was just a busy, busy time. So that's why I'm joining you this week with episode 30 a little bit early you know one day early this week to make up for uh for for not dropping anything last week so um man within this past you know 13 days since the last time I dropped an episode uh man everything has happened like everything uh think of something that happened you know what I'm saying so <clears throat> excuse me so we had um the passing of Prince, Whew. the passing of Prince, we had uh, put some respect on my name with Birdman, we had Lemonade, we had Game of Thrones, I mean, let's keep it all, let's, let's bring it full circle, we had the Met Gala, we had, uh, you know, just, man, we had a lot of stuff, we had uh, Afeni Shakur passed away today. It's like, what is really going on? Um, and through all that, mixed in with the oh Drake album dropped, Drake's album, Aubrey Graham, Views from the Six, that dropped this week. Uh, I mean, it's just been like very, very big, big stories in in media and in in pop culture. Um, but my experience in New York is kind of what led me to talk about this, to talk about what I want to talk about today. And the title of today's episode is Perception. Um, 
we all know perception is reality for some folks. Perception is just that. It's, 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 it's what people want you to see. It's, it's perception. Um, and I'll, I'm going to take a break now. We're going to go right into it. So uh, before we go into the main topic, let's talk about some of the some of the, the news when it comes to music, art, pop culture, media, that that type of thing. So a couple of things like this week was like all of the things I like to talk about were really popular this week, which was great in terms of some conversations that I had in person and online. Um, it was just a lot of things that that I am very well versed on that, you know, talking to people that have a little bit of information about it, but not really, and 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 not necessarily trying to school them, but it's hard to engage with someone that about something that you're, you know, a somewhat expert in, or that you feel like you're way very well versed in, and they're just very surface surface on the topic. Let me explain. It's a couple things that happened this week with that. But first things first, Prince. I mean, what can we say that hasn't been said? Uh, Prince Rogers Nelson was uh, a, a legend. That that kind of goes without saying. The thing that the first thing I thought about when I heard that Prince passed was every summer growing up. Every summer growing up, I would. Uh, I would go to Miami and spend time with with my dad and my cousins and my brothers and sisters and just my Miami family, my Trini family then. And uh, I will go. This this is like the highlights of my my childhood, like going to Miami every summer and like just being away from New York and being away from my regular routine, the weather, the, you know, Disney and Orlando and Six Flags Atlantis and like. Just spending time with my cousins was and my brothers and sisters. This this was the highlight really of my up until I went to high school. That was the highlight of my childhood. And um, it was one thing that me and my cousin Jamel would like. That was this was our thing. He was a Prince guy. I was a Michael Jackson guy. And, you know, every year, like. I would get off the plane. I don't even know if, if people remember this. My, my sisters, my brothers, and my cousins remember. But literally, we would get off the plane. You know, folks would come pick me up. We would get back to the house. And as soon as we would meet, it would be like, yo, I'm Michael Jackson. I'm Prince. So we had like a list. Like, <laughs> I'm I'll be sure. I'm New Edition. Oh, you can't be all New Edition. You got to pick one. All right, I'm Ralph. I'm Michael. I'm Ronnie. You know what I'm saying? And we would pick like, oh, that's my girl. That's my car. You know, those games that kids play. And and it was always with me and my cousin Jamel. It was, I'm Michael. You know, me, I was Michael Jackson. He was Prince. And we would go back and forth about who was better. And I'm like, yo, Michael. Michael's the best. And he would always say, Prince plays all his own instruments. And I'm like, well, Michael Jackson is this, this, this. And uh, and and now to think about it, years later, they both aren't here with us anymore. It's just surreal, man. It's just like, you know, I'm almost forty, and these guys were in their fifties when they died. Like, what is that about? Um, I I've been saying this for the past few years. I've been saying this for the past maybe seven. You know, I've been saying this probably for the past 
nine years since my son has been born, nine, ten years, that I understand why men die early. Uh, and I'm just reflecting on my experience as a black man, as a black man in America, like I, there have been so many people in my life close to me that were in good health, that were, you know, not involved in any illegal activity, not involved in any drug, any alcoholism, any, you know, any of that stuff that died way before their time. and when I became a father, I started to understand why, and, you know, I always, like, just the the stress and the magnitude and just all of the stuff that people have no idea about. Part of the reason why I started this podcast was so that I can have an outlet, and, in most areas of my life, I don't have an outlet. I don't have anyone I can talk to about these kind of issues at length without being interrupted, without, you know, someone telling me I'm wrong, without someone else's issues becoming more important, without, you know, being, uh, without all of the distraction. Um, And so one of the great things that I always commented about about women is that they take the time to talk to one another. They take the time to journal and to write. They take the time to whatever is stressing them. They let other people know. It's a part of the thing that makes women so annoying. (laughs) No shade, but I mean, truth is truth. It's a part of what makes women women. The fact that they talk a lot. You know, are are and not even they talk a lot. Is that they are socialized and our and our uh, our society is open. That's not the right word. Our society is like encouraging of women sharing their emotion and discouraging whether whether uh, consciously or subconsciously discouraging of men sharing their feelings and so you know anybody with half a psychology background knows that if you keep the things bottled up that we know men keep bottled up over a period of time it's gonna kill you dog like these are things that you know that kill you over time that age you that give you stress that keep you up at night you know and then once you add in all the things that men like to do smoke cigars drink drink alcohol, engage in dangerous behaviors, whatever it is, you know, because we don't necessarily have a lot of the safer outlets than women do. It equates to a lot of people uh, dying before their before their time. And not saying that Prince had this or Michael Jackson or the countless other celebrities that we know, but I know a lot of people that were no celebrities that uh, that I went to college with, that I worked with, that I knew, you know, that from a friend of a friend that died in their 40s and 50s and they were men. And I know off the top of my head, two women in my life that have died before their time. And I know maybe eight or nine men that have. So, I mean, needless to say, I mean, Prince leaving us the way that he did and, you know, in the same kind of secrecy and, and the manner in which he lived, it was tough. It is a tragedy. And, you know, I, it's, it's still 
a tough pill to swallow. That was briefly followed by uh, Birdman's interview. Quickly changing topics, shifting gears. Birdman from Cash Money did an interview with Charlemagne and the Breakfast Club. He went on there and wilded out and 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 tried to be tough, and it was whack. I mean, it was it was whack because it it was just unnecessary. And he had an opportunity to be a real man and talk to the club and talk to the people and just be like, hey, here's what happened. Here's why you disrespected me and why I thought it was disrespectful. And here's what you're not going to do again. And here's why. Boom, boom, boom. Let's sit and talk about it and let's be men. But he chose kind of like a gangster route and it was really whack to me. All right. To me. Uh, that was shortly followed by Lemonade. So Lemonade, the the cinematic, artistic, musical uh, masterpiece that Beyonce released last uh, two Saturdays ago. And let me tell I mean, like I said, masterpiece. I've said it all over. The first time I saw it, I knew it was a masterpiece. The first time I heard it, her album was a masterpiece. It's sonically amazing. Like the sound is current. And that was what I was telling my wife. Like a lot of times Beyonce will give you heat. A lot of times Beyonce will, you know, sing for you, give you all sorts of songs and verses. But you know, a lot of times her music isn't really current in terms of the sound. Uh, this album, you know, from, you know, middle fingers up, like just it, it, it felt like it was a current album that young and old can relate to. It sounded current. There were current references, you know, in terms of pop culture current. Uh, and it was current to whatever she was pulling from. Uh, what was really disappointing to me was it was really disappointing how, you know, folks kind of seem to get their jollies off of whether or not, you know, Lemonade is a true story. Like, folks were really excited about whether or not Lemonade was was real. Oh, man, Jay-Z cheated. Oh, uh, Matthew Knowles. And then, yeah, it's easy to get caught up. But maybe I got I got caught up into a little bit of that at first. Upon first listening, it was like, ooh, it felt like gossip. It felt like, you know, Beyonce had a, has a way of making you feel like you're a part of her team. And good artists do that. Like good artists, not just musicians, not just singers, not just rappers. Good artists make you feel like you're in the painting with them. Like you're in the video with them. Like when they say, put your hands up, they're talking just to you. Uh, that's why Jay-Z, he was a drug dealer, millionaire, you know, just had life experiences that were way more than what I will ever that I, more than I ever will experience. But for some reason, he was able to connect with me and his experience was able to connect. Good artists are able to do that. And so, you know, folks got caught up in yo, Jay-Z Cheen, oh, Rachel Roy, Rachel Ray, see uh who will not see Mia. No, what was the girl's name? I can't even think of her name. Um, dang on it, the singer, uh Sorry, um, but folks got caught up into that, and, and, and to me, it took away from it took away from the art, from the package, from from this being a masterpiece, from all of the Grammys that she's gonna win uh, from this, from the, the the Emmy Award that she's gonna win for a cinematic, you know, her first Emmy, she's gonna win from this. Remember where you heard it first. Uh, all of that. So that played into, it's just, it, it was a lot. And I, I thought that Lemonade was masterful. 
Um, and I thought it was, a, you know, people are saying, you know, she made it for black women. And I think, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if when she wrote it, she was like, I'm writing this for black women or when she was creating it and coming up with it. I don't know that. But what I do know is that it was definitely written written for women it was definitely a a a piece that women could connect with on a different level i mean i listened to it i listened to it and connected with it but i would assume that my wife and my sisters and my you know my cousins that are women like connected to it in a different way there was something in there in, in her stories that she told throughout the album that I think all women can relate to. And there was an opportunity in there, I think, for men to, you know, to just, you know, to, to reflect too. And, and to recognize how our actions can impact the women around us. Um, and just because a woman might not pop off at you and, and tell you everything she's feeling in that moment, um, that, there are a series of, of very precious and, and guarded emotions that given the right storm that a woman can, you know, feels those things so deeply. And I, th I just think it was a phenomenal expose of artistic talent. I just think it was amazing. So shout out to Lemonade and Beyonce and everybody else. Uh, Last thing in terms of this is kind of like the recap of everything's been going on this week was Malaya, Malaya. No, I said Malaya. You know, it's on my mind. Uh, Malia. No, Malia. Yeah. Malia Obama, the uh, first the first family's uh, daughter got accepted into, how, into Harvard this week. And, uh, you know, college signing day was May 1st. National College Signing Day. Shout out to Reach Hire and all those folks. Uh, a part of my job is I plan the D.C. College Signing Day for, for Washington, D.C. And so May 1st came and the White House released a statement saying that Malia Obama got accepted into Harvard class of 2020, but she was deferring and, and choosing to take a gap year uh, and she will be class of 2021. And when my wife and I were in the car and we heard it, I was like, whoa, that's a big deal. You know, because, you know, because of the First Lady's initiative. And this, and this is the part of the conversation where, you know, I I posted some things on, on social media and, and Twitter and Facebook and had to engage with people about higher education and about college and about admissions practices with people that have absolutely no idea about what the hell they're talking about. They're just reflecting on their personal experiences, which is valid, and things that they read or, you know, skimming the article real quick and making an assumption. And so when my wife and I were in the car, my wife's like, oh, that's interesting. So I'm driving, like losing my mind, like, yo, that is so crazy because, you know, she's taking a gap year and like, you know, gap years, I had to explain, like, gap years are this. 
Gap years are designed for kids that don't have a plan or need more time to mature and so on and so forth. And so I was like, clearly she doesn't need time to mature. Clearly she doesn't need. So what is this gap year really about? That was my first question from a public, you know, from a from a media perspective, from a public relations perspective. What is this gap year really about? Um, and then what's, what, what came after that, which I knew it was, I called it in the car, was that all these fake caring college half knowing organizations and newspapers and the TV are going to be like, you American children need to be like Malia Obama and take a gap year. And sure enough, the next day, two days later on Monday, it was, you know, more students around the United States should take a gap year. And here's why. And so I put some posts out there like, yo, it's not as simple as it seems. A gap year isn't just something you do with no plan. Like you need to have like a gap year. It's not for everybody. And here's why. And I gave some reasons and people were arguing with me back and forth. And it's like, you know, um, Jay-Z had a line that's like something like, Dang, I can't remember it. It's, it's not a just a Jay-Z line, but it's a widely known kind of nine. Like, you know, some some don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who's who. But it's like, uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't go to, uh, I wouldn't go to a construction site and tell the construction workers how to lay the bricks straight or what solution to use to to make the bricks stick together because I'm not a construction worker. But what I saw was that there were so many people that were telling me, telling me about educational theory and the history of higher ed and what happens globally and, you know, counselors work with students and well ivy league schools encourage gap years and all this stuff and i'm like yeah yeah those are all truth i mean those are all pieces of truth but you know i'm not arguing a gap year in theory a gap year is great if everyone has the means to do it but an unguided gap year could be disaster and so many students that are regular kids poor kids, middle-class kids, and even some wealthier kids, a gap year could be not only detrimental to their college career, but to their lives in general. What happens in a gap year when you take calculus your senior year in high school and you don't take any math for a year and you go to college and try to take calculus? It's not going to work, son. What about the that, 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 that information that you had, that the routine that you're in when you're reading every day and writing papers and responding to stimulus. And then for a year, even if you're doing a good gap year and you're in Peace Corps, even though I don't even think that's an option, and you're, you know, working somewhere and you're finding yourself, there's still certain things that have to happen academically that you've been doing for 12 years. Then you stop for a year and try to pick it back up. That's not a normal uh, educational human feature and if you don't have a plan about how to sustain that it's disastrous so I'm trying to explain this to people and they're like Malia could do whatever she wants to do 
Uh, yeah, she can. You should be thinking, uh, you should be just praising the Obamas, that da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, you know what? You're right. You got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, go ahead. So, um, you know, it was just a lot of that. And it was a lot of just like people just, just speaking to speak and not really understanding. There are a lot of things I don't understand when it comes to like finances and what people do, stocks and bonds and, you know, all these different things. I have a very surface level understanding of that stuff. And so if people post about it, I'll post my two cents, but I'm never going to come from the point of view of, a, of an expert. You know, I'm going to be like, yo, what I think is this, but you know, what do you think? And that's the thing with social media is like everybody thinks they're an expert on topics that they have very surface level areas about. What I would have done in an area that I'm not comfortable with and what I think other people should do is be like, yo, this is my opinion. Mike, my friends that are involved, my friends that are counselors, my friends that work with education and students every day, what do y'all think? What is the educational perspective? What does the theory stay on this? What does best practice say on this? Folks are so easy to get emotional and try to just like, you know, point fingers or say people don't care. Just all sorts of craziness. And I'm just sitting back at my computer like, yo, folks are whack. Yo, like, I just hate the way people engage in social media. I, I say it and I continue to say it. And I'm watching and I'm doing a lot of watching and just seeing how folks like the voice that people want to take on social media. And it's just whack to me. But either way, with the gap year, I think it's great for Malia. I'm sure there are multiple reasons why she's taking a gap year, all of which are viable and absolutely you know, essential for her and her family. Uh, my concern is with the Washington Post and USA Today and NBC4 and the Today Show coming out with entire segments on why gap years should be the norm for kids in the United States, not understanding the shittiness of our education system and that it's not currently set up for kids to have a gap year. Yeah, they could do that in London and Germany and Belgium and Paris because their system is set up year round. There's system is set up for kids to go on different tracks and to have different support systems our system isn't set up for that so anyhow but y'all got it y'all know y'all know best not me and i don't know i haven't been doing education for 20 years y'all have apparently uh so keep it up keep doing your job keep doing your thing and god bless and good speed and Godspeed. Um, but I want to come back real quick and go into the main idea. I feel like I've been talking about the main idea already. Um, but there's, like I said, there's just so much to talk about and so much that I'm excited to talk about. So uh, I'll be right back with part two. I'm going to talk about perception. We're going to talk about uh, what that means and what led me to talk about that today. Hold tight. Perception. Perception. So I should have looked up a definition of perception before I started talking. Um, all right, so here's the definition. The ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses, right? So hearing, hearing, tasting, seeing, whatever. That's your perception, right? Another definition of, of perception is a way of regarding, understanding, or interpreting something, a mental impression so based on the things that we see the things that we're presented with we create a perception a mental impression of whatever that thing is 
And based on that perception, we then take a series of action. You know, we, we respond to whatever the perceived something is in X, Y, and Z way or one, two, and three way. You know, if the perception is that it's cold outside and we look out the window and it looks cloudy and the trees are blowing, you know, the perception is it's cold. So we wear warmer clothes Um, on a very surface. That's a surface level example. And so, you know, the whole concept of the power of perception has been just ringing true for me in different areas. So I explained briefly, I took my wife to New York to film an episode of The Chew, her favorite show. It's a show about cooking and fashion, you know, kind of directed towards moms and women, you know, maybe stay-at-home moms or whatever, uh, or, you know, whatever. And, you know, the level of... Uh, the level of intentionality when it when it comes to what the show presented on screen was mind blowing to me. Like the amount of uh, I can't even say trickery, but let's for lack of a better word, for lack of a better word, trickery that took place. You know from. The fake audience claps. Like they had us take a B-roll, which is basically like film that they shoot to insert into the editing, using editing to to insert into the into the taping in a later time. They just had us shoot B-roll of us laughing for 30 seconds. <laughs> like they had us shoot that for 30 seconds. They had us clapping loudly. Clap- whistling and all that and then they had us clap softly they had us oh ooh, mm, yummy you know what I'm saying? they had us do that on b-roll so they could insert it into the editing now i understand a part of it is that sometimes when that's happening in real time like the sound might not be as high quality and they want it to have you know an authentic and a louder uh uh, feel and they want it to sound louder, but a lot of that is trickery. A lot of it is the television, the, the media, and you know this is not just the chew that does this. This is every TV, movie, you know, commercial ever. You know they emphasize certain things so that you can create a mental impression or a perception in your brain, and based on that perception you're going to go out and do X, Y, and Z, right? And so, you know, that whole concept was just real, was just mind-blowing to me. Like, just the amount of care that they took to make sure that this happened, the amount of, like, detail that they utilized to to make sure that we were clapping a certain way or that we weren't looking at the camera or make sure you eat now, but don't eat with this hand and do, you know, just different things like that. You know, it just, once the show is recorded and you look back on it, it looks great, but it just lets you know that perception is a mug. Perception is a mofo, right? 
because, you know, we perceive every single person has a different perception of something. Like you could be looking at something. I could be looking at something. You're a good person. I'm a good person. But I could take, I could look at something and based on one little something that's connected to something that happened in my past and baggage that I come to the conversation with, I'm going to create a perception that's completely different than yours. Same information. Same thing we're looking at, right? Now, what happens when you throw reality and truth in there? Like, what is reality? What is perception? What is truth? What is lies? You know, people always say that there's three sides to every story. It's your side, my side, and the truth, right? And, you know, I just think when it comes to, you know, what is it? This is all about the idea of manhood. When it comes to me, I think this is really important in relationships, right? I think it's, it's very important in relationships because the way that men and women are socialized... We're socialized to see the exact same thing, you know, in terms of we're both looking at the TV, we're both looking at basketball, but a woman is going to look at it and pick up on certain things, and a man is going to look at it and pick up on certain things, and we're going to formulate a series of assumptions based on what we see, and then we're going to act on it. Now, that happens every single day with every single thing that we do. And it's just, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. And I, I like to operate, and I think a lot of men like to operate in truth, in facts. You know, like, that's a fact. And unless we're talking about math, are there any facts? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm being serious, like how, I just don't understand how to really process this. Because the more and more, it's like the older I get, uh-oh, Dwayne Wade got hurt, uh-oh, uh-oh. Get up, old man, I'm sorry, I'm doing two things at once. Um, but the more and more I'm thinking about things, it's like, People don't, you know, Charlemagne says this. Everybody knows Charlemagne the guy. People, you know, he always says, no one believes, no one cares about the truth if the lie is more entertaining, right? And I always feel like I, I agree with that, but no one cares about the truth if their perception is already set in stone. Like, if your perception is that I'm an asshole, right? This, this, this is where I'm going with this. A lot, and this is real. I'm, I'm going to use, I'm trying to use a real thing. A lot of people perceive that I'm an asshole. Me, Mike Andrews, me, right? And, you know, a lot of it is because, uh, who knows why? But, I mean, no, I know why. I'm not going to fart. Because I... I'm I'm loud and I'm you know you I tell my truth and you know a lot of times I impress upon other people with my truth. 
Um, and I'm, you know, I try not to, I try not to, I try to be unfiltered on purpose because, you know, I just made a conscious decision. Me, this is me, myself talking. I made an unconscious decision early on to be like, look, I'm not going to hold these things in. When people hold things in, it kills them. And they live a life that's not authentic. And I try to live the most authentic life I can. And to do that, sometimes you got to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with others. And so that honesty sometimes causes people to say, oh, damn, Mike, that's wrong. Like, why would you say that? Like, I'll talk to students all the time. Like, look, I know you think you're going to go to college. I know you think, you know, your grades are good, but they're not. Or like, yo, I know you think that. You're going to play football for the NFL, but son, you're small. You need to do some push-ups, then come back and see me in like three months after I see you making a connection to the gym in a way that shows you're about something. So, you know, so in terms of perception, now, I think that a lot of my friends and people that know me just say that because it's cool to say, and that's kind of like, that's kind of overarching thing. I'm just talking about me. So think of an example in your life or with someone that you know that people are like, oh, he's always like this or she's always like this. She's always manipulative or he's always defensive, whatever it is, right? Now, when they show you time and time again that they're not this thing, if I show you time and time again that I'm not an asshole or that this person shows you time and time again that they're not defensive and that they're not, you know, um, you know, manipulative. If your perception is already set in stone, what does it take for you to change your behavior towards them? That's my question. I'm sorry it took me so long to get to it because I, I had it in my mind. But I couldn't like I couldn't get it out. That's it. If you have a perception about someone because they've done X, Y, and Z, but they've also shown you, whether through maturation, whether through time, whether through just being around them more, that they're against whatever it is that perception was. How long does it take you and what do you do to show them that your perception of them was wrong? Do you tell them or do you continue to interact with them as X, Y, and Z? This always makes me think about folks that are in in the media, like folks that are popular, like pop culture folks. I think about Drake, like his perception is that he's blank. My boy Issa, shout out to Issa. Uh, Issa thinks Drake is soft. And it doesn't matter what Drake raps about. Drake can rap about killing 25 people with his bare hands. Issa will still say, yo, he's soft. I don't trust him. I don't believe him. You know what I'm saying? Um, People think Kanye is an asshole. Kanye could go out and buy... Christmas dinners for the entire city of Chicago. And there are some people like, yo, he's a jerk. He's this, he's that, right? So take the focus off of these famous people and think about people in your life. 
Think about people in your real life, your boss. Think about your colleague that you share a cubicle with. Think about your spouse, your partner, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your cousin, your dad, right? Your mom. I always think about this when it comes to, you know, perception with my dad. I talked about my dad on this podcast before, but it's like I had a perception of my dad and it took me, it's taking me still to this day. It's taking me time to talk with him and to, you know, get to know him a little bit more to, to break down that perception. But sometimes it's easy to continue to interact with him based on my perception, not based on the reality. So that's what, that's what the challenge is for everyone that's listening to this this week. The challenge is who are you interacting with based on an old perception? How are you treating them? Are you using old information? What have, what has this person, what have these people shown you that go against what your initial perception of them was? And what if it's something that everybody else around you, say it's a friend, and everybody else in your circle perceives this person to be this way? Oh, man, Mike is a jerk. But your relationship with Mike is different. Your relationship with Mike is, oh, Mike is like the kindest, sweetest person ever in the world to me. And I don't, you know. What, how do you respond? How do you respond to the people that think Mike is a jerk? How do you respond to the people, you know, how do you respond to Mike? Do you just go with the, with the flow? Like, oh, everybody thinks Mike's a jerk. I think Mike's a jerk. Or do you interact with him in a unique way? That's my challenge to you. That's what I want you to think about. You know, I see a lot of people in different spaces that are using old information to interact with people in their lives and it's ruining relationships. It's ruining friendships. Uh, it, it, it's not allowing friendships to grow. You know, people are treating uh, people that people are treating, you know, you, I'm just saying you. So if you're listening, people are treating you based on how they interacted with you in high school. Or how they interacted with you in college. You might have been a hoe in college. And now you're 50. And they're still interacting with you. And talking about you as a hoe. And and doing actions towards you like you're a hoe. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, people evolve. People grow. And uh, how are you dealing with the different levels of perception in your life? That's the takeaway from today. This is episode 30 of uh, The Idea of Manhood. I am Five Mikes, husband, father, educator, writer, MC. I'm so glad you joined me today. Hit me up on SoundCloud. Rate, review, and comment uh, on iTunes and uh, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I'll holler at y'all next time. Peace.